0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings. It's Hugh Ballou with a, another episode of the Nonprofit Exchange. It's where we exchange ideas, we hear from uh, leaders. From all walks of life. People have done a lot of amazing things, had great experiences, have wisdom to share, and they can even tell you what not to do because it didn't work for them and it might not work for you either. So we have stories from nonprofit leaders on occasion. We have stories from business leaders because we are in fact running a tax-exempt business. It's a for-purpose enterprise, not a for-profit enterprise. We do need to have proceeds from our our revenue that actually fuel our work and help us fulfill our our mission because what we do is more critical now than ever before in history. It's so important. So equipping ourselves to be better leaders, to transform organizations and to do a better job of impacting the lives of people. My guest today is somebody I met through a former guest on, on the nonprofit exchange Oh, back in the early part of this year. And it was a couple, uh, Michael and Bonnie, who uh, accidentally founded a winery that accidentally earned purpose because of their leadership became the number one wine brand in the country. And so um, I met, uh, then they introduced me to Bob Hopkins. And so uh, Bob's on the line here. He's going to be watching. I may have a question later, but um, then I got a call out of the blue and uh, an email introduction to Amanda Barr and Michael said you need to meet Amanda Barr so Amanda invited me to be on her show and she interviewed me so I'm going to try to do as good a job today so today um, my guest is Amanda Barr and she is currently living in Texas where are you and tell us a little bit about yourself Amanda.
1: Absolutely. Well, I just want to say thank you. It's such an honor to be on your show today. And I hope that those watching will walk away with some nuggets and some great stuff. And you asked, where am I in Texas? Um, You know, I have to say I'm originally from Oklahoma. Love you, Oklahoma. But uh, moved to California, lived there for a while. And I'm now in North Dallas. We still have an office in uh, the Beverly Hills area. And uh, now splitting our time between both. And so grateful to be, you know, one alive. This year's been an interesting year. Just thankful for being able to have an opportunity, and excited about today.
0: Love it. Tell us a little bit about your background. You're talking about yeah. fear today, yeah. and how it's stealing from us. So, what's your background? Why is this important to you?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I grew up uh, with type one diabetes, and I've been a type one since I was two. So. Every day is, you know, we are given this day, but it can be life or death because anything we eat, we do. So from a young girl, I was always like had this thing about just if I wasn't prepared, if I didn't have the right stuff and it just became like, inset in me and I didn't really notice this until I got in all the way to the business career and when I started facing my fears because one when you're in business just like nonprofits just like you, everybody out there that are wanting to make their passion reality you start to see that there's uncomfortable things you need to do and I started to have to face all these fears I didn't really even know I had why because I wasn't being put to the test <laughs> Um, but my story comes from because um, I was sitting during COVID at home and somebody came and walked into the back of our property and they tried to break into our shed. Now, if, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, is this really happening? I'm watching this, I'm home, I see it. Now that person left. They came back two weeks later. I heard them speaking, like I could hear them. And I knew something was happening, but I couldn't tell. And I look out the window. And they, they ride away. They were on bicycles at the time. They came back one more time. And that night, one hour later, and I heard them and I lifted the blinds and I was like, oh my gosh, three of them facing our property. And I just was like, what am I going to do right now? What are you going to do? Like, I don't know if you're watching this going, you've gotten in those situations. And I just had my, I was wearing an Apple watch my monitor just went through the roof. It was like, beep, beep, beep. I was nervous. I called my my husband. I'm like, I need to call the police. Like, oh my God, my neighbor's not home. I'm here. I'm all by myself. And that was the first time I think, you know, that I really had to really face it. Now, thank God they left. They heard me. They heard my dog. My dog dropped this bone right when I was like, I'm going to call the police. I'm so scared. And, And what was interesting about it is, Obviously, I was fine and nothing happened. But what came from that is I kept asking, like, why did it happen to me? And this is maybe something that you watching today can think about. Like, when new things in your life happen, like, why is it happening? Why am I going through this? Why am I facing this challenge? Why am I, what am I supposed to get from this? What am I supposed to learn? And all I could keep thinking about was your fear is stealing from yourself. Now, I'm going to say it again. Your fear is stealing from yourself came to potentially steal I don't know if they were coming to our place or somebody else's place but they were coming there to steal but my fear had been for years things like God gave me you a ton of gifts we have everything we need but sometimes we hold ourselves back and I was holding myself back I created a program this for two years and nobody could even see it because I didn't release it because I was a that you you come into place where you're holding yourself back and that that was my message and I was like I've got to tell more people I don't know how in their life they may not see it right now maybe this conversation will open that up to go oh my gosh you know what and and that's the thing is like, I can do something about it. So that's where um, now it's just, you know, living in that day, every single fear and going, okay, that's a fear. Let's through to get us to here.
0: So that story is a real story of a real threat on your property, in your backyard. So um, how did you recover from that? You know, your watch went off, you had all that anxiety. How did you recover from that? It must have really sent your blood pressure through the roof.
1: Well, I think that the, the soul searching part of it was, um, you know, from there and in business, I want to keep this in line because when one thing happens and we get scared, sometimes other things also happen. So what happened right after was I was afraid to leave. <laughs> I was afraid to walk. I, I live you know, just a couple blocks from the office. I was afraid to walk by myself to the office. I was afraid to walk home. And I just started to let this fear just overwhelm where I was just kind of in a standstill. I didn't want to be home alone. I didn't want to go anywhere by myself. And you sit there and go, what kind of life is that? I am here to make great things happen in this world. Why the heck am I letting myself just get scared? And so um, a lot of work, self-work and looking. And that's where I came up with this saying, because I had to remove myself from the fear and go, that was your fear that was doing it. You are you can do anything. You just need some tools. Now, what are those tools you need? And that's where I came up with my three steps to overcome fear. And how can you solve any problem, no matter what you're facing? Why? Because I was at a desperate point of life going, I got to get something happening because I'm holding myself back. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm also hurting the people that could be taking my programs, could be working with me, could be doing more because I'm not sharing. I'm not out there telling this story. And so this is my give back.
0: (laughs) So talk about that three-step. That sounds fascinating. Is that in a program you deliver? Talk about that a little bit.
1: You know, it's kind of incorporated into all the things we do, but that first step is just acknowledging. I think sometimes with fear, um, we want to look like we've got everything all together, like, how you doing today? I'm good. Um, and it may not be a good day. Uh, and we're always trying to, you know, say that everything's doing good, I'm good. But really saying, no, you know, right now I'm super scared of this and acknowledging it. Because when you do that, there's something special that happens inside of us that we kind of release that, especially if we say it to ourselves, but we say it to somebody else. And that gets us to the point that we say, now that I know that I'm dealing with this fear, now what's the next step, right? The first step is just acknowledge it. Now, the next step is what is my belief set around this fear? Like, is this something that like, if I'm afraid to speak, is it really I'm afraid to speak or is it I'm afraid to not sound eloquent when I speak? Like, really, what's the heart of it? What's my backstory? Where does this come from? And then how is my belief in myself affecting this fear? So if I doubt myself, if I don't trust myself, I may not want to go and do these things that are pushing through. So how can I trust myself? How can I bring two solutions to the problem? At least, you know, somebody said, I did this once and they said, but there's way more than two solutions to a problem. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of solutions to a lot of the problems we face. And sometimes we're just stuck in the problem and we're not looking at it. But if we see we're coming from a problem, we're in a problem or we're going to a problem, then the problems don't really matter. Now it's just, how do I want to live my life? And how do I just solve them one problem at a time? Or if I need to solve a few, what do I need to do? What's my next best step? And that leads to the third step, which is taking that action that produces results. Because it's one thing to acknowledge it and know that your belief is maybe um, leading to fear. But if I can believe in myself and I can do something about it, now that fear, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> it's like being in the battle ring with yourself. And you got your fear and you, and who's going to win today. Right. And if we're both, you know, are you going to let the fear, sometimes we let the fear just beat us up. And then we walk out of the ring and we leave, or we can step back into that ring. And it's like the underdog. And it's like, no, I'm going to come up from the, the depths and I'm going to take this on. And then what happens when you break through that fear? Usually you feel super excited. There's this like I can do anything, and, and it just transforms us from the inside out when we accomplish things that we were essentially afraid of going in, and we didn't know, and now we can go farther.
0: Whoa. I, if, if I have a down day, I want to call you for a supercharge. <laughs> this is an attitude adjustment, which really, we're responsible for our own attitude adjustment. So it's uh, So summarize those three points again. Just list the three yeah. points.
1: So acknowledgement, and then our belief in ourself. And then the next one is action. If we don't take action, nothing's going to happen.
0: Don't just keep griping about it. Do something.
1: (laughs) Trust me, I'm talking to myself too. I mean, some people, I know when people speak and they're like, well, she's got the perfect life. She figured this out. No, I have to face this every day with myself. And I'm, I'm putting this stuff into place. And when I don't, I see it it comes back,
0: you know. I work work as a trainer, keynote speaker, and people sometimes introduce me as an expert in leadership. I used to go, I'm just a student in leadership, but I realized one day, I guess when I I've reached 74, that I'm old enough that I've made all the mistakes at least once. So that (laughs) does qualify me as an expert because I learned learned something from those. So take it, it's self-responsibility is underlying this. So, but having some key steps to think through. I'm a process person. So one, two, three, I can do that. I can do that. You know, to acknowledge it is a big deal for some people just to say, okay, Baloo, you got a problem. Just say so. And then let's proceed, <laughs> proceed to do something about it. So we don't, we don't want don't to live there. Now, I, I agree with you. Um, those of us who are thought leaders and help other people with content and coaching and whatever, we have the same problems. We can't pretend that we don't have the problems. And that's what led me to say I'm an expert. I, I make the same problems, even though I teach this stuff. So we not being perfect is a, is a comfortable place to be (laughs) (laughs) having a little grace. So how do you, how do you deliver these three points? Do you have programs or how do you deliver these to people?
1: You know, from this program, I created, uh, or from these three steps, um, I was just really like, I've got to do something. Um, I created what's called The Shift. Uh, my my um, my podcast, which you got to, you know, thank you again for being a guest on, it's called Shifters. Now, I created this the name Shifters actually in February, before all the COVID fun happened, and we got into this situation. And The Shifters for me was, you know, sometimes we feel like we've got to be, at a certain level to do things. And and this was before my whole fear issue, (laughs) but I already was in line. And I think that that shifting of things is sometimes we don't have to change everything about our life or change everything about what we were doing. It might just be simple little shifts that might just get us to that next step, might get that project done, might do something. If I'm facing that one fear that's just holding me back, like that's the shift. So I call it shift 100, 100 days to shift. We talk about these three pieces. How do you get them moving forward? It's a weekly session. And really, we're just diving into a goal that you really want to accomplish, something you want to do, and what's holding you back, and just being real. Like, one thing I always say is, like, when you talk to us, like, for me, I want people to feel comfortable, because I think I faced almost every roadblock, every challenge, probably done everything the wrong way, like you said, to be that expert, to go, yep. I can connect with you. (laughs) And now how can we get you moving forward? And, and that program's all about, and I've, you know, for those that have gone through it, what can happen in a hundred days will blow your mind when you really focus on what you want to accomplish in that time period.
0: So you can find more, Um, where (laughs) can they find this? Is it RTB Capital Group or is it somewhere else?
1: Well, you got to go back to that for your thing. I actually don't have it posted. It's just, um, if somebody books a call with me, it's, I'm going to launch this thing full scale in the new year, uh, just because it's been formulating. and I've been testing it with people. And, um, but yeah, they can just book a time with me and say, hey, take me through the shift. I want to shift forward. I want to shift everything. Let's go. And we can get them started.
0: Um, we will post, uh, you'll give me some way to get in touch. You, yeah. If it's okay, yeah. post your email on the, on the, the, this page for the interview
1: okay do yeah. you want me to-
0: I'll, I'll post it I'll post it I just want to if it's okay I'll post it yeah
1: and I can give a calendly link so they anybody can book a time book a call with me. all right
0: day. I um I'll call you because <laughs> I need that energy no um, <laughs> you have wisdom that far exceeds your years uh linear years so um I'm quite impressed that you you've really grasped a whole lot of stuff in, in your short years on this planet, but you've also put it into some context that is meaningful and people can apply it. Now, our audience here are nonprofit leaders and clergy. And so why is this fear thing so important to them right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the question comes back. You know, that I would ask you, what are you afraid of right now? What are you dealing with? We all, I mean, I can lump things into a, you know, the fear could be how are we gonna, you know, raise the money and how are we gonna do this and how are, I can't even go into my space, I can't even open my doors to the public. And we're having to kind of shift through and find different ways to connect with people. But I don't know what those fears are for you personally. But I do know there's solutions <laughs> to any fear you're facing. And I think that's one thing that everybody can walk away with, especially you that are running the nonprofits and those in the clergy that you've got solutions now. it's really going, well, what can I do that really is in line with my purpose, my mission? How do I get in touch with the people right now? You know, connecting with people as we were talking, just being being around people is so, we we forgot and now we remember. Because <laughs> now when we get to connect with people, we're like, it's so special. Before we kind of let it go. It wasn't, you know, a big thing. And I think now with everything that's happening and the fears that we're facing, that Now we are open to different ideas. We're open to different things. And now it's just trusting. Like if you try something, it may not work, but let's try something else if that didn't work. And let's maybe try two different things. (laughs) Maybe those both will work. And so it's being open to not sit. I think one thing that for fear and for people that are in fear for myself, when you fear, usually one thing happens. What's that one thing that's natural? Nothing. Right, you sit back (laughs) and do nothing, and this has been my message this year: is like keep on the move. If you stop, everything stops. Especially if you're running an organization, if you're the heart and soul of that thing, you've got people maybe that are helping you. But if you're not moving, who's moving it? Um, So I hope that might inspire you to just relight the fire and keep that keep that shit moving.
0: Keep it moving. So so. Fear. One acronym of fear is false evidence appearing real, and then I remember a famous president, Roosevelt, I believe, was said, "All we have to fear is fear itself." And so, there have been other times when things were even tougher than they are today. If you if you're a serious student of history, there have been some really tough times, not only in our country but other countries in, in history. Now, that doesn't minimize the the problems we're having today, but there's a lot of things we could be afraid of. So let's go back to your story yeah. about these guys in the backyard and you were afraid to go down the street and go to your office. Right. So so that's a paralyzing fear. So mm-hmm. th- this, we can manufacture a whole lot of things to be afraid of. Now, I don't think we're saying that we take caution away. People need to be cautious. Right. About a number of a number of things today, and the, this virus is certainly at the top of our, everybody's list. Um, so, so you primarily your your podcast. Tell us again what the name of the podcast is. It's
1: called Shifter's Entrepreneurs on the Move.
0: Yeah, I put that in my calendar and I forgot what it was all about. And I looked at it. I said, "What is this?" <laughs> so <laughs> shift happens it, whether you make it or not. But if you can't shift with what's going on in the culture. And how I remember um, not too long ago, we used to uh, drive up to the airport, park the car, run in the gate and get, you know, run into the front door and get in the gate and get on the plane. After 9-11, we never did that again because we had to go through security and there's whole lots of measures to protect us. So there was never that situation, that freedom again. Now with this current crisis with COVID, things will never go back to normal. And we are reinventing what life is going to be like. And I see a whole lot of leaders stepping up to the challenge and really creating effective systems. Now, I wish we didn't have this, but it's helping us cleanse our systems, be more efficient and and be more uh, appropriate with how we use the resources that that God's given us. And so you address in in your podcast um, entrepreneurs, that's your audience. Well, that's our audience here too, but I bet you a lot of, uh, now clergy are in a system, so they're not as much entrepreneurs unless they're an independent church, but nonprofit leaders, local cause-based charities, we're all entrepreneurs. So what is What yeah. is that? What is an entrepreneur to you? And why, why, do, why do I say that nonprofit leaders are in fact entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah. I Someone that's going to one, have a passion and take the risk. And therefore, not and clergy, anybody that's taking something on that's beyond you is going to be in that space of entrepreneurship. If it be for-profit, nonprofit, money's exchanging, you're doing good work. I think we, if we look at the the platforms side by side, it's so similar. Um, a lot of the things that, you know, we teach those in business, those we're using in the nonprofit space and how great that all those things can kind of come together. Everybody every social media everybody's using the same things it's just maybe our message might be different or our what we're bringing our purpose or our mission or our clientele might be a little different so I see entrepreneurs you know in so many different ways but I did have and this is unique because at the beginning when I launched um r Capital Group I really didn't think I was like, entrepreneur, I kind of feel like, (laughs) like I'm not an entrepreneur. I came from, you know, you go to school, you get a good education, you work for a company, you move up the ladder. It was a very traditional corporate type of setup. And what I noticed was, is when stepping into this role, there was two things that I had to learn. One was my mindset and two was, well, actually it's mindset, tool set (laughs) and In your skill sets. Those three things are really cool. So if you have a a mindset that is built for entrepreneurship, and if you don't, you just need to step in. Now, the other piece that I had to learn was I was coming from a time and effort economy, a time and effort economy. Now, entrepreneurs are results economy. (laughs) So time and effort is I could spend all the time in the world and putting in so much work, but when it comes down to it, the only thing that matters is the results when you're in an entrepreneurial results economy. And I did not really get this until like just recently where this kind of smacked me upside the head and was like, hey, you can do a lot of great things, but if it's not producing results, what are you doing? It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of hours you're putting in and that's great. You can feel good about it, but really what are the results? So I'm starting to really focus on that. How can we produce results and maybe not spend as much time? So I don't know what you think about that. So to just go back, it's time and effort economy versus results economy, which that's the entrepreneur, right? The time and effort are those that are really great at what they do, but they'll take the time to get these things done. And it's merging those two together so they work harmoniously. And we get a lot of things done together when we match us together. And then the other thing is that mindset, tool set, and skill set. Thank you, Adam Sherman from Warm Name. He gave me that, those three just recently.
0: Put your hand up. I want to kiss your ring. This is <laughs> that's brilliant. That is, and you know, that's one of the real big blocks for those of us in this so-called nonprofit world. You know, we we get this word nonprofit, and it's it's really a lie. You know, it's, it's, it's not a philosophy, it's a tax, it's not even a tax classification, it's IRS, it's a tax exempt IRS uh, corporation, but we run it as, as a business, sometimes we run it in the ground as a business. We don't have those principles in mind, because people fund us because of the impact, which is a result. We impact people's lives. And that's the reason we exist, is, is to impact people's lives. And that's also, and we, uh, we have at least one professional funder here. Um, um, and I have a note from somebody that had to leave. But that is a mindset shift. So what are those three? Mindset?
1: Mindset, um, tool set. So all the tools we need to make this stuff happen. And then your skill set. And that can be where you are and get in, you can increase it.
0: Well, and, and we ignore those. And, and we come into a space, the nonprofit space, is um, we're already got a scarcity mindset because of that word. And it puts us in this different mindset. And so that's a trap. It's a lie we tell ourselves. Oh, it's a nonprofit. We can't do this. We can't do that, which is all artificial. And then um, we don't have the skills or the tools. As a matter of fact, we've inherited some tools that are not high-functioning tools in the standard board meeting, and that's not B-O-R-E-D, it could be B-O-R-E-D, the board meeting, <laughs> and 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 the systems that we are inherit when we go into a nonprofit, or we start our own and we, we bring in other broken systems and bring in people that were in those broken systems, when in fact, right now, the shift we need to make is to not a new normal, there's no more normal, maybe a new radical, we need to do things right. very lean, and very uh resource resource oriented so we people entrust us with their funds to create a difference in the lives of other people it's like not return on investment it's return on life rol so we provide return on life by by creating value for those who need it the most and probably can't afford it most of them that's why we exist So for us as entrepreneurs working in this social benefit space to realize those things, um, that's a key point in this whole interview. We're talking about fear, but it's really a mindset shift. All of it's a mindset shift. Talk about that just a minute.
1: Yeah, you know, the mindset is, (laughs) that's been where I've been working on myself. And I think this is, um, you know, if we have that mindset of, like you said, scarcity, scarcity. I did not notice, and this is acknowledgement, right? I did not notice when I came into the entrepreneurial space, I actually came in with scarcity. It was an abundance for me. It was like, I got to, you know, how can I get this done and how many people? And, and you start to lose really like that passion for what you're doing when you're just trying to make things work and, you're, and it's not working and it's frustrating. And then we go back to that time and effort, like I'm putting so much time and nothing's happening. But going back to the very beginning, which is our mindset, How transformative that can be if I just come into this situation of like, I'm coming from abundance, I know what I have, we have all the answers inside of us, we're looking for approval we're looking for other people to acknowledge but we really You know, we are creatures of incredible, we're incredible. We know everything we should be doing. And if we don't, we're not alone. And I think sometimes we feel like we're so alone um, when it comes to running a business, running nonprofit. We like, nobody understands me. I'm all here. Like, I'm just going through this. So my one thing is the mindset is transforming that mindset. And there's a whole bunch of different books and things out there. But really it's that, what do I want to create and believing in ourselves. Believing in what we can do, trusting ourselves. One thing I've had issues with is trusting others. But then I found out that it wasn't really me trusting others; it was really me trusting myself. Trusting myself to do these things that I can do it. Um, you know, my I'm a Gemini, so I'm a talker, and talking and communication is just part of my world. But I talked about a marathon. I ran two marathons. I talked about it for two years now. Honestly, I could have ran the marathon like six months after I said I was going to do it, but I waited, right? And talked about it. So sometimes this mindset of like, I can do it. Our timing is different, but when we believe and we have that mindset, and then we are coming from this place that I can do anything, just what do I need? What's the next best step? You don't have to accomplish all the steps at once. That was my thing. I can start a project and it's like, Oh my god i got all these ideas and they all come and there's ten thousand ideas and it's like okay i don't know where to start (sighs) and then we stop so um i'm throwing a lot at you but you know i'm just hoping that this can help somebody that's going through and you're struggling with these things of this mindset and where you start from is the key if you can harness in that you can do anything that great things can happen it doesn't have to be hard we i grew up with like you got to work hard to make money kind of concept No, what if you can just, you know, work efficiently and make lots of money? Like, how can we transform and rewrite these rules that we've been writing our whole life and just believing them because we just thought that as a young kid or learned it from our parents or learned it from somebody else. And and now we've taken that into our world like it's truth. Is it true? Or do we want to create something new? How do we want to start from our mindset? And then what can we do? What are those solutions, those next steps? And what's going to produce much time and effort in the middle from our mindset to our results.
0: A lot of words in there that are power words. I just, there's a lot of good sound bites in that too. I'm going to take a pause here and talk about, you mentioned something very important. And I'm going to sh- uh, share with people that um, this isn't really a sponsor. It's not sponsoring ourselves. CenterVision has this online community and it's where you network with peers. So as, as Amanda talked about, it's really lonely work doing nonprofit leadership. So this is a place to collaborate with peers. It's the camaraderie of people helping each other. And I have, we have people on these group calls that are around the country in different places, and they really support each other um, by saying, look, I know somebody I can introduce you to. We're here with Amanda today because somebody said, you two need to be connected. So the place for, non, for nonprofit leaders and clergy to connect This curriculum for learning programs, such as Amanda talked about, there's not only just the programs, but there's application. How do we take knowledge and apply it to real life? And her principle of let's take action. So, the the nonprofit community, you can find it at nonprofitcommunity.org. Nonprofitcommunity.org. That's where nonprofit leaders meet to work together because we're better together. We have a couple of um, learning cohorts going on right now, um, learning the value of collaboration, building the skills, and um, we need to get some of your curriculum in there. This is really, really good stuff. So um, Mr. Rash had to leave. He runs a group called Legacy International um, in Bedford, not too far from Lynchburg where I am, but he said he uh, loves your approach and um one that he's run these 4 nonprofits for 40 years and they reach to youth all over the globe and um the uh, one of the focusing on fear of the other we're, we're afraid of others who are different and of us so the he has a global uh, youth village and has lots of programs and uh, many are teaching and many of the programs teach teach leadership but teach entrepreneurship and uh a universal values approach so he had to leave because he had a meeting with somebody in a whole different t- uh, time zone. But he, um, he said, I want to give you that affirmation because he was just soaking it up. And we have, um, we'll have some more questions in just a few minutes, but let's go back to um, um, what you were talking about. Um, three-step method, you talk about a lot of things. My brain's just like, yeah. It's great stuff. I'm, I'm like, I'm like super charged. I knew you were good. I didn't know you're going to blow it out of the park ballpark here. So how do you know the stuff works?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, One is just personal experience, but then also working with others that are going through this. I mean, yeah, you can have a lot of really good, great ideas, you test them, unless you're putting them into practice, you don't really know if it's going to work. Um, I am always one to say, how about I test it on myself first? <laughs> let's just see if this works for me. And then let's test it on others and and take them through. So for example, like the shift, um, just working with a few people, a handful of people on this, it just was so exciting to me. And it's like, when you can do this, I think that one thing for those that are in the nonprofit space, if you are looking at new ideas, um, this is something you can apply to is like create the, create it and then test it. Cause sometimes we get afraid to launch something that we don't know if it's going to work and we're going to spend a lot of money and we're not sure. Don't try to figure it all out. Just get it into little components and test people through it and then see how can I make it better. Ask those questions. How do I make it better? And um, we've done this on different courses. I've got a a podcasting course that's come out. We tested this probably with four or five different groups, uh, put it together as we were going. And it was just so much fun to be able to do it that way. when you're talking to people, they're going to tell you what problems, what they like, what they don't like. And it's listening. That's the other thing I've learned a lot in this, um, you know, kind of weaving in the fear and things. If I listen and really understand what's happening, you can hear, you can hear what's happening. You can hear the problems. You can hear the things that are going on. And then you're more open to ask, like, how can I help you? How can I bring this to you what can I do I know my my organization does this but what can I do for you and who can I connect you to Um, who do I know that I can um, take this now it takes the fear away from me thinking I've got to do everything for somebody it's like no how can I just bring that next step for you I might be with you on this journey a few steps or we might go many miles together I don't know Um, but we are connected right now and that's the beauty of the moment
0: And and, um, a lot of the leaders I work with um, doubt themselves. And uh, we have a program that I've created called uh, Unbound Leader, Unlocking Your Inner Potential, which you didn't know about, but you just talked about. We got it inside of us. But sometimes we don't know how to unlock it. We need somebody to help us take away the blind spots. But we do have abilities within us that could be unlocked, activated. So... Finding that and then working in a system with somebody that can help guide you, um, I think is is so important. Um, so, you want to say anything more about that? Are you frozen?
1: No. There we.
0: I think I think your signal was keeping.
1: are. So you said you have a program about doubt, but I missed it.
0: No. It's, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe can you tell me again because I I'm excited to hear tell me, tell me more.
0: (laughs) It's the, um, the, uh, the internet coming and going. It's got a mind of its own today. Um, The program that I offer through Center Vision is called Unbound Leader, and it's unlocking our inner potential. So we're bound up because we don't realize we have it. We're also bound up because of our attitude um, for a lot of the things that you mentioned. So unlocking our potential is a lot bigger than, than people think it is. And, and nonprofit leaders do have a lot of things you just talked about, but doubt about self-ability, I think is right up there at the top. We get burned out because we overfunction, we do way too much. And sometimes that comes from a self-doubt, insecurity, not feeling worthy, we have to do more. And then we can't ask other people because we ought to do it ourselves when really there's a whole lot of people if you let them connect their passion to your mission they would be really happy to serve in this nonprofit that you lead anything about unlocking that anything further you want to you want to say
1: i mean i definitely suggest everybody watching if you're doubting go go take your course because it sounds incredible and i and i'll just back it up by saying it, you know the self-doubt. This can hold us back. It's in another form. It's a fear because you fear you're fearing something. If you are afraid to are doubting the ability, of somebody else to do something, or it's just because it's a fear of something, and it's not you're not really even seeing what the root of it is. Um, if it be from you know, doing your business or doing the nonprofit or doing different pieces. But I just love that, that you can unlock yourself. I think that that's the, the beauty of this is whatever you're going through, you have a way to, to unlock these things. You have a way out of this. You don't have to stay that way forever. There is another way to go about it. And so thank you for sharing that. I think that that could be very valuable for those that haven't taken it. Take it. <laughs> and um, I mean, yeah. Unlock
0: you that. that. You do find that in the Center Vision community. So you do have a yeah. passion. Um, you have a passion for helping um, emerging leaders, our our youth. Say a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So um, I was a former educator. I actually have a teaching credential from K through eight. However, um, that's not what I taught when I was applying for jobs. I actually got a high school position and I was teaching the ninth and 10th graders. And those guys taught me so much about life and training and teaching. I always say, if you can keep a 14 year old entertained, we can do a lot like, <laughs> because it was all about interaction for them. And it, and for me, the, um, the beauty of it is our youth You guys have so much you can do now, you can do so much going forward, and if you can access the power that you have inside of you at a young age and really see what's possible for your future, the things that have happened and the things in the past doesn't matter, you have today and Living in that present moment and you have tomorrow to make great things happen, especially if you're young, you're not unstoppable. You're unstoppable. You're not, nothing's holding you back from doing things. So yes, I'm passionate about our younger, our younger entrepreneurs um, and our younger nonprofit leaders and those that really want to make a difference in this world.
0: I remember looking in the mirror when I was 14. and I remember looking in the mirror today. Um, it got there kind of fast. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know
1: I'm hoping it slows down for for myself I feel like man I feel I feel young but I think there's something beautiful about that when you feel young even when you're aging there's something powerful about feeling young I feel 20 years younger than I am I look probably about 10 years younger than I am and you know it's like that is so exciting um to be able to to live in that space that you are young we're young we're just getting started Hugh, you're just getting started you got a lot to do
0: <laughs> another person just getting started is one of your neighbors i just turned um let him open his mic he's uh, bob hopkins i think you've spoken to bob who also has a passion for empowering young leaders and there's some stories in his book uh philanthropy misunderstood uh there's one right here Amit banerjee but there's uh something's backwards here at any point. So Bob is um, passionate and has a track record of inspiring young leaders for, I don't know, how long, Bob?
2: Uh, Probably as many years as you are old. (laughs)
0: Yeah, (laughs) love it.
2: (laughs) Which means I'm older
0: than you. Yeah, but only a little bit. Exactly. But I'm catching up. Well, I'm, anyway. I'm catching up. But uh, you have a, a thought or a question for Amanda Barr? She's your neighbor in okay. Texas. So.
2: I know it, and I'm not sure why we haven't gotten together yet, Amanda. We talked, I think, and we're supposed to get together. Where? Why haven't we gotten together?
1: Oh, Can't I'm you... back. I'm sorry. I know. I, I snuck off. So maybe start us back over here because I didn't get to hear all of it. Okay.
2: Okay. So, anyway.
1: Um, hi, <laughs> Hi. Hi there,
2: Amanda. Sorry that you can you hear me now.
1: I can. I can. Sorry, my internet. I had to switch internets to get back on. So I'm back.
2: Anyway, you're talking my my story tonight today and I'm so happy to do it because I've just realized in just the last couple of years um, that fear is what motivates me and uh, you know, and so when you think of it, you think of it as a negative, negative. and for me, it's not. It's what really gets me out of bed in the morning because I start thinking about all the things that I've committed to do and that I haven't done them yet, and so I get out of bed because I can't go back to sleep because I need to go face the, the demons. Um, so I, what about fear as, an, as a motivator? Um, so it's, for me, it's a good thing because, you know what, I look back at my life and I've always been afraid. I've always been afraid of failure, I've been afraid of somebody else's failure that I'm not going to accomplish, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, if I didn't have that, uh, I don't think I'd be entertained. Fear entertains me some for some reason because it forces me to go and get out of my myself.
1: I love that. Yes, I agree a hundred percent. You know, if you look at it, the word fear, um, my husband told me this in, in Hebrew, it's also motivation. The backwards way of looking at fear written in Hebrew and backward flip it over. Fear and motivation go hand in hand. So I'm actually really excited that you shared that because some people and, and don't look at it that way, but that fear can, I, I always think of it like in that boxy match, like who's gonna win, but it gets you moving, right? right. If you, even if you're conquering that fear, it gets you moving to get something else done. So awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Bob. It's awesome. Motivating.
2: Yeah, I definitely um, want to talk to you more about this. This topic and others I want to get you, in, since you're here in Dallas, I want to get you involved with our a Youth and Philanthropy Conference that we're going to be having March the 6th. And Hugh is going to be our host. He already has hosted our first one, which was last June. So in March the 6th on a Saturday, we'll spend four or five hours with children on course online, virtually from around the world, talking about what they're doing to change, to be a change maker. So I want you to be part of that.
1: I would love to. I'd be an honor to be a part
0: yeah, I want to highlight that. Um, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, the first one we did was amazing. And um, there are there are young people that are really stepping up the bar and they're really, actually, they're influencing their parents. And so that's a good way. That's a good way to have it. So Bob has done amazing work over the years. And there's some, actually, Bob, um, our, our teachers in the first one were actually some of the the young people that you had mentored over the years. You want to say something about how how that happened?
2: Uh, Yeah, you know, I don't know where from where they came, but uh, they started an organization called Paper for Water. And it was dad and mom who started it. Dad was half Japanese and they uh, did did Paper for Water by making origamis and selling them. And uh, to date, they have raised $1.7 million and created 170 water wells around the world. Can you imagine that? That's so anyway, they were in my class when they were five and eight years old, and so we d- didn't st- help them started, but we helped them them mo- get motivated about what they're to accomplish, and of course now they're 17 and 15 years old, and um, so they've been doing this for a lot of years, and they, they just are ch- changing the, the world in countries where there is no water. It's just an amazing experience. They've been on Hugh's show. I introduced Hugh to them. They're in my book. And Amanda, I need to get you a copy of the book just so when we talk about things like like this, you know, you'll say, oh, I read about them.
0: And Bob, I'm gonna interrupt you because it's a holiday purchase book and we will put on here where people can get it. And he's, he's, if you wanna buy it for your local library or for your local philanthropist, you should have this. It's a coffee table book and it's really a precious book. And he's practically given them away. So when you buy it, you should throw some extra donation into it. So I will put the information on the website. And if if people want to go to the nonprofit exchange, you can find out about it. But also Amit Banerjee and his brother, David, uh, we had four young people that were teaching other young people. And it was like uh, amazing. Bob has empowered uh, another whole generation. Actually, Bob... um, they start out and they're not as afraid as older people, are they, there's not a, this fear thing, or is there?
2: You know, I think that we have the ability to hide fear. Um, you know, I hide it in many ways. People ask me how come I'm so calm and always so happy and they don't know that behind that soul I'm, I'm, I'm dying because I don't know that I'm gonna be able to accomplish what I started. Um, but you know, that dying is a, for me, I guess, I, again, a motivator. So um, I think they all know fear. Uh, but you know what, maybe they have covered it up with other words, like um, motivation or something like that.
0: Well, you know, I told Amanda earlier on that uh, part of my career, I taught middle school. Maybe I didn't tell you. I taught middle school for three years. You know, the most um, fun thing right below setting myself on fire that I've ever done. But it was very <laughs> educational for me. And one of the fun things I got to do was a full production of Godspell, the musical, with sixth graders. And people said to me, well, that's hard. How did they do it? And I said, well, I never told them it was hard. Um, and so there was sort of this adventurous uh, free spirit. So I think, Bob, with Philanthropy Kids and the, the uh, b- b- Philanthropy and Volunteerism and Entrepreneurship program that you, you've started, um, there's a whole track for some substance and some encouragement and some tools, uh, not to mention the skill set. you know it's it's a whole whole program. So Bob's brought a lot of light into my world and the world of so many people. So Bob, thank you for your really, you always have very good comments and questions. So thank you for that. I have a couple more questions for, Amanda, before we run out of time, but thank you for coming on here and, and making those wonderful points. And I will make sure I connect the two of you so you can continue your conversation. Okay. Yes. Yeah. please.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Bob.
2: Yes, ma'am. <laughs>
0: so Amanda, we've got a couple more questions. Yeah. We're going to, the clock is not our friend. When we get to this point in the interview. So beyond fear, um, what does that uncover? You, you say, okay, I did this, I conquered it. Well, have you, and what's beyond that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to fear, I always like to say what it, what's beyond, because when we're looking at the fears we're facing, it's right here, right now in the present, but it doesn't mean more fears won't potentially come. And I think when you go into this, like, I'm going to overcome my fear and it's just going to, like, I'm going to get to a point. It's just not going to happen anymore. Well, that's also a mindset thing, but coming into it going, okay, so if I do have these fears. Just remember that second one, belief. I can have a solution to any fear I face. I may face fears I've never seen before. I've never experienced before. So when those things come and you don't know how they're going to come, but they're going to come. But then have a peace and a calmness because you know that you've got something you can do. You can look at the situation, see what solutions are there. Call a friend, call somebody, connect with somebody, get into that mindset of I'm not alone and how can I get through this the best and quickest way possible? And then what's my next best step? Because you can have all the great ideas in the world about how you can get through this and then you can still be in the fear going, I don't know how to get out. Um, but when you take that step and you have that courage, then what's possible?
0: Now, you're not suggesting uh, denial or ignoring it. Or just, just put uh, you know, that's not what you're saying at all, is it?
1: Right. No, no. To face it, I mean, we're going to face fears. Um, you know, if we look back at our lives, we can look at stages of our life. Like when we were young kids to teenagers to young adults, we had some, sometimes one fear that might've gone with us in this journey all the way up to this point. And I always like to say up till now, because it doesn't mean it has to stick with you um, up till now. But we will face other fears that may come. Like it could be like I was, um, I'll just give you this story. Like, how do we not know what we don't know? Um, I was an adventurer. Like I wanted to ride every roller coaster, do all this stuff. Um, But I was on a boat with my family and I ate the wrong thing and I choked and it was stuck in my throat and I didn't know what to do and at that moment i thought i'm gonna die (laughs) i couldn't tell anybody nobody knew and somehow i like hit my chest and it came out now at the time when it came out a little bit of blood came out and then i freaked out and so on that on that moment i didn't expect it i didn't know what did we do i probably should just calm down and stayed on the boat but what i did, i let my fear lead me and i made my mom get me in a dinghy we drove this boat little boat right i'm breathing fine drive me all the way to the shore to take me to the er to make sure i'm okay however on the boat i was fine right and so we don't know what's gonna and now that that one incident had Carteled into a whole like a whole bunch of other things started i started getting afraid of because of that one incident now this is where I say we don't know and what happens in the future one thing but if we can pull that in and acknowledge it like okay that was a fear that's just what happened you chewed on something, it didn't go your way, you choked on it, you popped it out of your mouth, you were fine, you were healthy and you move on. But I got stuck in the fear. So that's just my message that if we can look at what's beyond this is you don't need to, you know, Beat yourself up for having the fear. Don't beat yourself up. That's not going to do any good either. Just acknowledge it and say, okay, that's my fear at this moment. What can I do about it? And how do I get through? And if it happens again, then what am I not learning that I can put into, put into place this time? Then maybe then will get me to the next step.
0: Wow. Wow. You're very um, transparent and very open about talking about things like that. To me, that's a very strong, positive leadership trait, just to be, be very transparent. Um, so I commend you for that. Just talking about yourself and say, this is the journey I had. And that's inspirational. It's, it's like a real life experience. It's not all made up. It just really happened. So what do we do? There's a lot of boards in the nonprofit world that are driven by fear. They're risk averse. You know, we don't want to do that. We can't do that there's all the do not do's. So how do we in in leadership role, if someone is holding back or holding back themselves due to fear, is there something we can say or do?
1: Yeah, and I think you know that what if somebody else is dealing with fear, God bless my husband because he dealt with me and my fear for a long time. And you just don't know what your impact is because when we look at our fears, we're in ourselves, right? Um, but we don't know what it's impacting somebody else next to us. And so being able to kind of flip that around is what if I'm dealing with somebody else that is very fearful and how do I go about having that conversation? And I think that's where that beauty of connection and communication and just being open to listen to what is that person going through and asking that question like, why are you saying we cannot do this? Because sometimes it may not be because you know, that's the law, or that's the rules, or that's the regulation, it could be because of a fear, and we just don't know. So I think it's more questions instead of a want to do it, that's why we're not doing it. But there could be something we just don't know, or don't see, and we won't know until we have that conversation of asking, like, what is going on, what, what What? can we do about it? What if there's another way? And I think those conversations need to be had, especially if you feel like I can't do anything that we wanna do with our organization. Um, and who and how can we ask everybody around the group and then maybe even have a time that you just talk about fears like what are we all afraid of, and you might find out that you all might be afraid of different things or the same thing we don't know. But having that open communication like you said being vulnerable with each other, because we all want the end result, we want to help people we want to make an impact we want to do great things in this world, but one one or two or three of us might be holding us all back, and we just didn't know and we didn't know how to move it forward.
0: That's having direct, open, honest, transparent, vulnerable conversations with one another. Thank you for making such a strong leadership point. I'm going to do another sponsor moment, then I'm going to come back and ask you um, if listeners could remember one thing, what it would be. So let me talk about how people could stay connected with Centervision Leadership Foundation. You can grab your smartphone and you can send a text to 64600. It's just five digits, 64600. And in the message part, you put three letters, L-D-R. Very contracted leader, L-D-R. Send that to 64600 and you'll get our easy card. It's a virtual card, it's like a little website. So everything that you need to have about Centervision is in the palm of your hand. So uh, we can stay in touch with email or text Right there, you have a button to push to text or email or call me, go to our website, learn about the community. And actually, if you go down here, there's non-profit exchange videos. And if you look at the non-profit exchange, it's fear stealing from you. And right there, there's the video of uh, me showing you the video of 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 the easy card. So it's an easy card. You can have this and your board can have it. And you can remind them with a text the day before. Don't forget. We've got a board meeting, and here's what we're going to talk about. So we can stay in touch in this digital era with your donors, with your volunteers, with your board. It's a super engagement tool. Amanda Barr, you've just uh, raised the bar, so to speak, on on this show and, and the power of what uh, we can share with each other. So what do you want people to remember, and what do you want them to do?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm going to tell a story and this story comes from a story of Rick Thompson. He wrote the book, The Quantum Mindset in a Nutshell. And I would highly suggest anybody, you know, take, take a look at it. He tells this story that um, the, when some, this gentleman, he gets to heaven and there's this big golden box and it's huge and it's beautiful. And he asks, like, what's in the box? And it has his name on it. And he's like, what's in the box? And he, and, and he goes, well, we usually, we don't show anybody what's in the box. And he's like, but today I'm gonna show you what's in the box. And so he opens the box and it was all the gifts, all the answers, all the solutions, all the tools, everything he needed in life to make all of his dreams and everything he wanted to happen. And the message is you have that inside of you already. And if that means you need to work with Center Vision or other professionals to help you unlock those things, to open that golden box that is yours already, you just don't see it or don't know it's there, it's for you and you have a passion and that's your passion and don't let fear hold you back from it. Use those tools in your golden box and make great things happen in this world.
0: Amanda Barr. Thank you so much for sharing. I'll put her email contact in the uh, on the podcast notes so you can contact her. She's got a lot to share. Thank you for sharing with our, our listeners on the Nonprofit Exchange.
1: Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much Hugh, for this opportunity. Uh-huh.